0: In uh, 1968, I was a sophomore at Wilkes Central High School on the baseball team, and we had a 21-0 record. And we were uh, had already qualified; we'd already clinched the conference championship, and we were in the state playoffs. So, our last regular season game of the year, we were going up the mountain to play Avery County, uh, and some of you just all... For no extra charge, had Tommy Burleson on the team who was a seven- foot four center for the North Carolina State Wolfpack uh, during their championship run of the 1970s. Anyway, uh, so we drive up there and before we get off the bus, Coach Gross says to us, and this was the first time I'd ever heard this expressed. He said, "Today is the most important game of your life." They were 0 and 17. We were 21 and 0. He said, "Today is the most important game of your life because it's the only one you'll play today. It's the only one you'll play today. It's the only one you can win." That was pretty profound. Today is the only May 19th, 2019 that any of us will ever live. This is the most important meeting of your life today, right here. Now, I need to ask you to consider a question. Do you believe that it's possible to wake up in the morning and live a 24-hour period and go to bed at night without ever sinning? Is that possible? I believe it's possible. Jesus told the woman at the well, go and sin no more. Now, it's likely she did sin at least once the rest of her life. But he said, go and sin no more. Every day I get up, I pray that I will live a perfect day. Now, my wife will tell you, and you all know, that I have committed sins. If you're honest, I can tell you that she can tell you that for sure. So beside the point that we do sin and we have an advocate with the Father, if we do fall short, thank the Lord. But it is possible, in my opinion, the Scriptures teaches that you can live can you live 5 minutes without committing a sin? An hour? 2 hours? A day? A week? I think it's possible. Is it likely? But it's possible. Colossians 3:17 Colossians 3:17 Whatever you do in word or deed do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks through him to God the Father Verse 23 Whatever you do do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Father, we pray that your word would come alive to us this morning, that it would change us, that not just with our lips do we bless you and praise you and honor and glorify you, that we would honor and glorify and bless and praise you with our lives. So we ask you, by the mighty power of your Spirit, to speak to us in these moments, as you have been speaking since we got up this morning. And we thank you in Jesus' name. My message is entitled, No Regrets. No Regrets. And I want to start by saying this about the life of the church in general, and this fellowship in particular, which I assert that to some extent every fellowship, this one included, is to some degree handicapped. We see signs outside stores that say, Handicapped Parking. Why do those exist? Those spaces are reserved for individuals who, to some degree, Do not have all their parts working properly. There's a verse in 1 Peter 2. Nine that says you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A particular and peculiar people. That you may proclaim the excellencies of. Of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We, you and I, are called a generation, a race, a nation, a priesthood, a people. Chosen. Royal. Holy. And peculiar someone once told me that you you and Gail have a strange and wonderful relationship you're strange and she's wonderful or was it the other way around I can't quite remember okay all right now peculiar here does not mean weird Okay. rather, it means to be one's own. We are God's own. We belong to God. We're his possession. Peculiar here also means particular, meaning pertaining to a single person or thing, something private, special or unique to that person. An example would be my handwriting, my fingerprints, my DNA. Now, with this idea particular or peculiar in mind, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now, you are Christ's body and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. Anyone born of God, born again, is individually and particularly a member of the body of Christ. And there's only one of each of us. When God made you, He threw the mold away. You make anybody else just like you. Now we have twins. We have twins in our family. But and they call them identical twins. But they're not identical completely. They have different characteristics, different personalities. There's only one of each of us. We are unique. So much so that no one else in the body can do something exactly as you would. No one can say it exactly like you would. No one is exactly as you would be. Each of us has a calling Particular to us. Verse 28 tells us that everybody in the body of Christ has a place. And everyone in the body of Christ is mentioned in verse 28. Everybody. Apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. Well, you might say, well, I'm not a miracle worker. I'm not a prophet. I don't speak in tongues. Well, how about helps? Let's talk about that one. Helps. If you don't fit into any other category, you fit into that one. You fit into that one. It covers everything else. Who's in the ministry of helps? Anyone who helps. (laughs) It's pretty simple. Even I can figure that one out. I might have been born at night, but it wasn't last night. The babysitter in the nursery, the sound technician, the chair arranger. The kitchen cleaner, the mulch spreaders. Now you may never have the windows of heaven heaven open up and say, "Thou art a sound technician," but you may hear the words in your heart get involved, help, assist. Remember the story about Moses and they they were attacking the Amalekites. And as long as Moses held his hands up, the, the Israelites overcame. But he got tired of holding his hands up. And who came to the rescue? Aaron and Hur. And they allowed Moses to sit down and they held his hands up. And as long as his hands were in the air, the Israelites prevailed. And they prevailed until nightfall. And the scriptures tell us that the every trace of the Amalekites was wiped from the face of the earth. Moses needed help, and he had someone with the gift of helps to help him. We need anointed greeters. We need anointed singers. I want someone anointed to care for my baby. Someone who will do more than just sit and hold them, but will bless them and love them. Every job's important. If you're in the body of Christ, you're special. Whether you're called to preach or clean, lead or help, it's all important to God. We think we just stumbled on in life and volunteered and maybe we looked around and saw something and And just said, "Okay, I'll do it. No, I don't think so. Because I believe we were born with a predestined gift to work for God. The elders will only give account for their gifting in the church, not yours. Not anyone else's. Someday I will give an account before God for my gifting, whether I was a faithful steward or not, with what he gave me. I won't give an account for you. You won't give an account for me. Acts chapter 20. And yes, this page tried to jump out of my Bible at one point, but I... Captured it. Yes. I'm not Tom like Thomas Jefferson who cut his Bible up. Acts twenty, twenty-five. And now, behold, this is Paul speaking. I know that you all, among whom I went about preaching the kingdom, will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Paul is saying. I have no regrets. I didn't shrink. I didn't hold back. I didn't give you part of it. I gave it everything, and I gave you everything. I preached it all, and I held nothing back. I have no regrets. I can look at the mirror and see my face and say, I did it. I accomplished what God called me to do. He fulfilled his gifting. He held nothing back. A recent Gallup poll gives these statistics concerning the general work ethic in America. One out of every four, 25% of job holders confess to working at less than full potential. 50% said that they don't put any effort into their work that is above and beyond what is required to keep their job. Sixty percent said they don't work as hard as they did when they first went to work. Seventy-five percent said they know they could be more effective than they were at present. We are handicapped. I am holding you back because I am not completely fulfilling my part. I don't want to be one of the 25%. God forgive me. The spirit of the world is creeping into the church, or maybe the spirit of the church is crept into the world. If these statistics are accurate. Luke chapter 13. <clears throat> Now, on the same occasion, there were some present who reported to Jesus about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered and said, Do you suppose that these Galileans were greater sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered this fate? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or do you suppose that those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them were some worse culprits than all the men who live in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And he began telling them this parable. A certain man had a fig tree which had been planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and did not find any. And he said to the vineyard keeper, Behold, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree without finding any. Cut it down. Why does it even take up ground? And he answered and said to him, Let it alone, sir, for this year, too. Until I dig around it and put in fertilizer. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. But if not, cut it down. In Jewish tradition, it was assumed that if something had bad happened to someone, if tragedy befell someone, it was because that person had done something to deserve it. Or perhaps it was the result of a sin committed by the parents. But Jesus opposes this line of thinking. He says that those killed are no worse than those who live. And he says to these questions, unless you repent, you're going to die too. And he gives the parable of the barren fig tree. And it seems to me. That he equates committing evil with the lack of doing good. The Catholic Church has divided sins into two main categories. The sins of commission and the sins of omission. Maybe it's the sins of omission that get me more than anything else. Do you know what a person has to do to have an eternity without God? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Do nothing about God's plan of salvation. Do nothing about the gospel. In this parable, the vineyard owner, who represents the father, God the father, goes to the fig tree three years in a row Finding no fruit. None, not even a bud. Now, notice that the tree is alive. Alive, but bearing no fruit. It's possible to be born again, it's possible to have all your sins forgiven and bear no fruit. I've got the bark, I've got the branches, I've got hundreds of lovely green leaves, but there's no fruit. Another thing to point out is the fact that the owner regularly inspected his trees for fruit. Three years in a row. Three years in a row, God comes by to inspect his tree. And yet, after all this time, when he should expect some fruit, there is none. And rightfully so, he's upset that this tree, which should have been producing fruit for several years, had borne none. And he's ready to. To cut it down, God is saying to me, Mr. Woody, how long are you going to drag your feet? How long are you going to occupy precious space that could be better used? When are you going to start producing fruit? That should be there by this time. When are you going to break free from the sin that so easily entangles you? When are you going to realize the potential that I created you for? And then there is the vineyard keeper which represents the lord jesus listen to his voice father could you just leave it alone for another year give me a little more time i'll i'll dig around it i'll i'll work with it i'll fertilize it father give me one more year With this tree, this son, this daughter, we should all rejoice for the mercy and long-suffering of our Father through Christ Jesus. (laughs) If not for that grace, where would we be? There are times when I know that I am not working to my full potential. There are times when I only do the minimum required. When I know that I'm not working at my full potential, giving 100%, making the most of what God has given me. And God could easily show up for inspection on one of those days and see little, if any, fruit. And then consider the possibility, because of the importance of this hour, of planting another tree in my place. But I hear Jesus say, Father, give me a little more time. I can make something out of this. I'm not finished with him yet. She can be all I've created her to be. And it's time for me to rise up and say, no more woulda, shoulda, coulda, but to embrace today, to embrace my place today, to be all that God has created and chosen me to be today. There's a Jewish parable about Moshe, the humble shoemaker, who, after dying, finds himself about to meet his maker. And he's worried. And he begins to utter excuses and laments about his, his failure to have made more of himself. An angel comes alongside and he gives Moshe this advice. Now, Moshe, when you are in his presence, he will not ask you why you are not Moses or King David or Elijah. He will ask you why you are not Moshe the shoemaker. And the moral is this, that the point of life is not to be great or famous or win eight senior games events. No. The point is to be all God created you to be. To be faithful with your God-given portion in this life. Are you a teacher? Be the best teacher on planet Earth. Are you a pot thrower? Be the best. Not just in Macon County, but on planet Earth. Do you cut grass? Be the best. Whatever He's called you to do, believe that it's His gift for you. And be the best. Creation is longing for the manifestation of the sons of God in all their fullness. Be faithful. Be able to say when all is said and done about your work, your marriage, your role in the body, your participation in this fellowship, your role in the church. Be able to say when it's all been said and done, I have no regrets. I held nothing back. I gave it my all. If you're old like me, you may remember Joe DiMaggio. I didn't see him play. But I know a little bit about him. One of the greatest baseball players of all time. Certainly one of the greatest New York Yankees. (laughs) Whoever played the game. And if you have Italian heritage, you're proud of him, that's for sure. The Yankees in the 1950s were the greatest team of the era. They slaughtered opponents. So oftentimes they clinched the pennant with 20 games to play. So those 20 games were there rather meaningless. Or they were ahead 16-2 to two and who cared about the last couple of innings. But a sports writer asked Joe DiMaggio near the end of his career why he played so hard. Because he had a reputation for playing hard. Running every ball out to first base as hard as he could no matter what. Giving his utmost effort. And when the sports writer said, Joe, why do you... Why did you play so hard? Here's what he said. Sir, I often felt like there might be somebody in the stands that day who had never seen me play before. Can you grasp that, what that means? Somebody who's never seen me play before. And what did I want to leave as an impression with them? If you are in a relationship with the living God. All that matters is him. He is an audience of one. Man's applause means nothing. It's the approval of my father that's important all that matters. It's all that matters. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might, all your soul, heartily, as unto the Lord, for it's the Lord Christ you serve. And though it seems rather unrealistic to expect as at least as far as i'm concerned knowing my heart and how much i have wasted i still hope that one day i will stand before my lord jesus without regrets and hear him say well done My good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the kingdom. I have that hope. Do I fail? (laughs) That goes without saying. So we're back to where I began. Every morning I get up and I pray, God, I want to have a perfect day. I want to live perfectly before you today. My intention, my goal today is not to sin in any form or fashion. My goal is to use today to be all you created me to be. Because I have no promise of tomorrow. I can't count on that. Today, while the blossoms still cling to the vine, I'll taste your strawberries, I'll drink your sweet wine. A million tomorrows will all pass away ere I forget the joy that's mine today. And John Denver wasn't particularly a, a godly person, but he had it right on that. That's my ambition. That's my hope. That's where my heart is. And that is, I believe, God's will for every single one of us. Every single one of us. And if we live that way, we will truly make a difference. Because that is where the manifestation of the sons of God begins. Being a light to this world. Let us pray. Father, first of all, I confess that I have sinned before you, I have wasted, neglected. Your gifts to me many times, many times. And I know that in my human nature, the tendency to do that continues, to not give my all, to not fulfill my potential. I confess to you that sin, Lord. But I receive your forgiveness in this moment. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So in this moment, as I pray and receive your forgiveness, I'm clean. And I start over right now. I'm starting over clean before you, intending to go and sin no more. From this moment forward. By your mighty spirit, Lord, is the only way I can live like that. So I pray that you would fill me, fill us with your spirit. With the strength and victory that comes in Jesus Christ through the mighty spirit of God. That we might live and be people who bear fruit. And who are all that you've called us to be a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a particular people of God's own possession, planted in your vineyard, bearing fruit as men and women created in Christ Jesus to do so. And this, I pray, in the strong mighty, forgiving name of Jesus Christ. Amen.